Thank you for supporting the Ministry of Victory Outreach International. We pray this message challenges, ignites faith, and that God would fan the flame that will produce a harvest of souls throughout the world. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to be reading one verse in Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 of Philippians chapter 4. When you have it, give me a loud amen. But my God, yeah, you know that one already, but my God will supply, shall supply all of your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Amen? My God shall supply all your needs to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Lord Jesus, this morning, once again, we thank you for the presence of your Holy Spirit. And we thank you, Lord, for being here with us, and we could feel you moving and ministering to our lives. And once again, we give you all the praise and give you all the glory, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. You may be seated. This morning I want to speak to you on an area that many of us struggle with. And it's an area that constantly there's a struggling that takes place within our lives. And that particular area is trusting God to be able to meet all of our needs. And I want you to give me your undivided attention for the next few moments because I believe God wants to do something special. He wants to work a miracle within our lives. And at the end of this message, I'm going to be praying for those that are struggling in this particular area. This morning, I want to speak to you on uh, important key principles to abundant living. Now, throughout the Word of God, you find over and over how God wants us to live an abundant life. When I say an abundant life, I'm not only talking about spiritually, and I'm not only talking about physically, but talking about materially as well. God wants us to have abundant living, an abundant life. And throughout the Bible, there are many, many scriptures that we find that the will of God for us is that we may prosper and live lives that are abundant. This is the will of God for his children. It doesn't mean that we're not going to go through moments where we're going to go through moments of, of trials and moments of testing. And God does that. There are some times where if he gives you everything, just like a father, if he gives you everything, he may spoil you. So there are moments that we go through those valley experiences, and then we also go through the mountain experiences. And there are moments in our lives that we may be in want. But that's when he wants us to exercise faith and put our trust in him in those moments. Now, it is important, before I bring out some of the keys that I want to bring out, it is important for this church to learn these principles. And the reason why I say it's important, because of the, the vision that God has given to us, the task that he's given to us, and the vision that he's given to us as a church in the next few months or coming years, we're believing God that there's going to be an expansion, not only an expansion numerically, but also we're going to, these walls are going to be down. 
soon as they give us the clearance of knocking down those walls, we're going to knock them down. And we're believing God that he's going to provide everything for the remodeling of this entire building. So we can accommodate even more people. We're trusting that God's going to bring in more people, and we'll be able to accommodate them. And then that's going to take some finance. Then at the same time, we're also looking that if we fill up with, when we knock down these walls and the auditorium gets filled up with people coming in, then we're looking to go out that way as well. That eventually we'll be able to have an auditorium that will be able to seat at least 1,500 people, 1,500 people. Now that's a possibility for us to be able to do that right here in this facility that God has given to us. But so we have a challenge. That's a, a great challenge that we have before us. And it, we don't want to just grow a church just to have a church and have numerical growth and have a lot of people within a church. But also you know the vision of this church. The vision of this church has not changed. We want to grow a big church and we want to have a church and a powerful church and a strong church so that we can follow the vision that God has given to us of go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means that there's going to be people that God is going to raise up. There's going to be pastors. We're going to continue to plant churches in different parts of the world. Not only in the United States, but also in different parts of the world. That's the vision that God has given to us and given to this church. And the only way that that's going to happen is by having a strong base having a strong base. And I believe with all my heart that God wants to strengthen the base. God wants to strengthen his people. So the only way that that's going to happen is God has to prosper his people. That means that those of you that are struggling and trying to make ends meet, God wants you to plug in with him. God wants you to begin to use the principles that are within the Word of God, and then as you begin to use those principles, those keys, I would call them keys, that open up the storehouse of God, key principles, then God begins to bless you. And God must bless His people if we're going to accomplish everything that God wants us to do. We're not going to be able to do everything. When I pray to God, I say, God, we can't do it with a weak church, and we can't do it with always struggling people, so you're going to have to bless your people. You're going to have to bring prosperity to your people. You must elevate your people into abundant living. And God is about to do that. God wants to do that. But the only way that that will happen is when we begin to function and, and begin to use those key principles that are in the Word of God. Now there much, there's much scripture that deals in the area of God providing financially providing for us materially. In Deuteronomy, I'll just give you a few. Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, chapter 8 and, and, and verse 18, it says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He. Notice that. You shall remember, he's telling the people, you shall remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power. Now we all want power, and we want power to do great spiritual exploits. But notice what it says here. He giveth thee power to get wealth. Power to get wealth that he may establish his covenant. Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22 says, 
the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. You know what I like about that scripture? That there's even sorrow for those that become rich that are in the world. How many know that? They, they, they're still not happy. The more money they have, the more miserable they become. Because now they have to worry about their finances and, and keeping their finances and keeping their money. But notice what it says with the Lord. When you have God as a partner, and when God begins to prosper, as it says, he maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow with it. In other words, there's not going to be sorrow. There's going to be happiness and there's going to be joy because of the partnership you have with God. 3 of John, verse 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou may prosper. Notice that? He's telling his people, I wish above all things that thou may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospereth. So it's not only concerned about the prosperity of our soul, but he wants us to prosper in every way. See, as long as you think that God wants you in a state of poverty, you're going to stay in a state of poverty. When you say, and you begin to look up and say, oh, I'm serving a God that owes all the cattle on a thousand hills. God is the creator of the universe. God owns everything. God is a prosperous God. And I'm his child, and I'm his people. And then when you come to that mentality, God wants me to prosper. God not only wants me to prosper spiritually, he wants to prosper in my soul, but he wants me to prosper in every way. Now, how could we prosper? Well, first of all, you know it's God. It is God coming in that partnership with God. It's you and God coming in partnership with God. Coming into that covenant relationship with God. That's very, very important. But let me give you the first key, key principle when it comes to coming to that place of living an abundant life. First of all, tithing is the first key principle to abundant living. See, the foundation of, uh, of, of financing any ministry, any ministry, you notice that I don't have a lot of projects that I get involved in, even in the workers here. I don't say, we need money, you go raise some money, have a project here. Another one has a project over there, all kinds of projects running everywhere, everybody hustling and making money. You notice I don't do that, right? And you know why I don't do that? Because I have a firm conviction that as God's people, it doesn't mean that we're not going to have a little project once in a while, maybe the women's home, we're going to have a bake sale or something like that. But I, I, I don't believe in every ministry running and hustling to to raise up money to support their ministry, I believe that God will bring it into the storehouse. When, when God's people begin to pay their tithes and give of the offering, then there's going to be enough to go around. There's going to be enough to take care of all the ministries of the church. See, tithing is the first key principle to abundant living. Because when you tithe, what happens? You open up the windows of heaven. Open up the windows of heaven. Now, there's some of you that may need an open heaven, open window. Right? You may need that. You may say, man, I need that open window blessing. Well, God wants to open it up. And how do you open it up? See, the problem that we have is that we're just asking. And, and I, Lord, open up the window. But he's saying, but what about those key principles? 
I mean, I'm giving you the keys in the Word of God, but you're not using the keys that I've given to you. So tithing opens up the windows of heaven. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 10, that's what it tells us. It says that as you, as you pay your tithes, he says he's going to open up the windows of heaven and begin to pour upon you a blessing that you will not even be able to contain. So it's going to be a blessing not only to meet your needs, but even above your needs. He'll give you more than enough as you come into that relationship with him. And then I like what it also says in, in Malachi that he's going to rebuke the devourer. How many know that there's a devil that wants to keep you broke all the time? There's the devil will like to keep us in poverty. In fact, the devil will like to keep this church in poverty. The devil hates it when God's people are beginning to trust God and God's people come into partnership with God because the devil knows that there's going to be a lot of powerful things that are going to take place. The devil knows about the mission that we have. The devil knows about the calling that he's placed upon our lives. And what he tries to do, he tries to, he tries to hold back that, that calling in our lives. But this is when we begin to use those key principles. Then we're opening up the windows of heaven. And then God comes and says, I will rebuke the devourer. In other words, Satan is going to be, be, be rebuked by God. Now, it's been estimated, listen to me very carefully on this. There's been a lot of studies that have been made as far as the giving of churches and how they give. And as I share this estimate, you know, uh, I want you to think about yourself for a moment this morning. It's been estimated that only 20% of the people that go to church give tithe 10% of their income, or they tithe 10% of their income. That means that in a typical church, it is said that has, uh, say, 1,000 people, only 20%, or even is estimated that in a, even a church like ours, that only... 20% of the people are giving their 10% tithe. Now, does it mean that only 20% of people give finances? No. What it's really saying is, is that only 20% of a given congregation, and this is why it's sad. This is not, we're not a, why we're not accomplishing what God has called us to accomplish. This is why the church today is not making the impact that it should be making because what happened to the other 80%? Only 20% are faithfully paying their tithes or tithing 10% of their income. Now, it doesn't mean, I'm sure that some of you say, well, I give, and if I would ask every one of you and say, do you give? You say, yes, I give. But then it would be a different question if I say, do you tithe? Do you pay your tithes? And that's when you've got to start thinking, do I really pay my tithes? Paying your tithes is 10% of your income. And that, it, it, the estimate is, is that only 20%, in other words, 80% don't really tithe. All they're giving is giving little offerings over to God, but they're not paying their tithes. Could you imagine if all of a sudden a church, if we could develop a church 80% or what about 100%? So I would say that's what they say is impossible. But nothing is impossible with God. Imagine if our church was 100% tithers. Woo, what an impact that would do. I'm not only talking about meeting the budget. 
And by the way, the budget is being met. God needs the budget anyhow. That's God's, the budget is being met. The budget is being met. God give the Lord a... We're on time and all of our payments and praise God. So I'm not preaching because we're hurting financially or because we're desperate for finance. The reason why I'm, I'm preaching to you because I'm believing God wants to prosper you. God, I'm preaching it because you need it. I'm preaching it because there are people here that desperately need it. There are people that God is saying, man, I've given you a key. Begin to use the keys. And as you begin to use the keys, then I'm going to begin to prosper you. See, the 10% income of, of, of giving, paying your 10% tithe is not something that you could say is just mosaic law. And how some people are always looking for loopholes of not following the Lord, you know? Always looking for loopholes. There are people that are like, oh, that was a mosaic law, and that's, uh, that was, that's Old Testament and not New Testament. You know what my argument with that? I have a few arguments. First, first of all, it, it was even before the mosaic law in the Garden of Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden? It, even before that, even before the mosaic with Abraham, Abraham paid his tithes to Melchizedek. And then even before Abraham, in the Garden of Eden, they told Adam and Eve, listen, you can partake of, air, of all the fruit of this garden, but just this one is reserved for me. He kept one that was reserved for God. That was the tithe. He says, you can have everything, but this one here is reserved for me. So when you say, uh, well, this is Old Testament, well, even in the New Testament, you know what? The New Testament makes it even stronger. And the New Testament says that everything you have belongs to God. Not 10%, but everything you have belongs to God. Everything we have does belong to God. If you're not a tither, you will not experience the windows of heaven open for you. Now, it's very difficult sometimes to get people to begin to tithe. Because always there's that stepping out by faith that people, see, people that are not tithe, it's hard to get them to begin. Because there's always a struggle within their lives of trusting God. They haven't come into that relationship of fully trusting God. And there are some people that it's easier for them to trust God for healing, but it's not easy for them to trust God when it comes to financial situations within their lives. This is why they're always hurting financially. This is why they're always struggling materially because they haven't come to that place of trusting God in that particular area. So it's hard to get sometimes people to start, but those that are tithers, you can't get them to stop. Once they have tasted of it, and once they have come into that abundant living, once they have come into that partnership with God, you can't get them from stopping tithing. Because they recognize that the more they give, the more God gives to them. So the first key principle is tithing. Secondly, second principle for abundant living is having the right priority. In Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33 it says, But seek ye first. I like that scripture. Not seek ye last. Notice what it says. Seek ye first. Say first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. 
And then it says, all these things will be added unto you. Now, we don't have time to go over that whole sixth chapter of Matthew. But if you read the sixth chapter of Matthew, you can read it later on. And some of you, just to bring it back to your remembrance, is talking about all material needs. That's what the whole sixth chapter is about. The whole sixth chapter is talking about material needs in your life. In other words, the needs that you have, the material needs that you need in your life. That's what it's talking about. So over here, Jesus is saying, but seek ye first the kingdom of God. Put the kingdom of God first in your life and his righteousness. And then he says, in all these things, everything that I'm talking about, all these things that you have, it will be added unto you. And most people put everything before God. We put our payment for our house before God. Put payment for the car before God. We put food and clothing before before we 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 we, we look at God. And then when you look, you pay everything everything you paid. Then you say, What do I got left over? And then whatever you have left over, you give to God. That's that's going about it the wrong way. That's not using the key. The key is to put God first. Have the right priority. Seek ye first. Tithing should come from the top, not left over. You see, you should be able to say, God, I'm not even going to try to work out my bills, and I might not even have enough for my bills, but you are first in my life, and my priority is right, and I'm going to give you what belongs to you, and then I'm going to trust you that you're going to be my every need. That's, that's thinking spiritual, not in the natural. Somebody in the flesh sitting here will say, I thought you were crazy, you know. You know, let's be, somebody will say, let's be logical about this. Let's be rational about it. Especially you say, well, I, I know that I don't have enough to meet all my bills. If you're telling me to give the 10% first to God, yes! It's not logical. Yes, it's not logical. It may not be rational. Yes, it may not be rational. But there's a spiritual truth. That's a spiritual law, a spiritual principle that you're able to put into motion. If you put God last, then you're on your own. And you've been on your own a long time. Being on your own, you get yourself in trouble. You're not making it when you're on your own. But if you see God and put him first, then all these things will be added unto you. When it, when it says all these things, it's talking about cars and, and houses and money in the bank and health and prosperity and wife and husband and children and everything that you need. God is able to provide. I, I've experienced that. You know, I, I, I've been in partnership with God now for, for a long time. I remember in the beginning, I shared with you the beginning, that come from New York. And I come from a mentality, hey, everybody's trying to hustle me, man. You know, trying to hustle me, you know. Trying to con me or something, you know. And, and coming with that mentality, you know, that dopey mind, dopey mentality, you know. My wife was so innocent. Graduated, graduated from Bible school and 
I wasn't tithing. I was saying, man, you tithe, man. At least you tithe to me, man. I'm the one that should. I'm the one that should be. I never really been a member of a church. I got saved in a home. I got saved in Team Challenge home. So they didn't teach me nothing about tithing. Every, every, everything was given to me. You know, I people send me packages. And people give me money. Oh yeah, and I said, yeah, I, I'm a, I'm a needy case. I, I, I'm. I'm I'm a good project. Give to me. I was always on the receiving end. And then when I, we got married, we were living in a little apartment, broken down apartment in Monte, California. Just barely making it. And she gets a salary. I wasn't even working, by the way. She was the one that was working, too. I was, I was still going to Bible school. And then she comes with a salary and she says to go to church and she takes the money, she's going to put it in an envelope and give it to that preacher that had a big car and I'm over here in my walking mobile. And I said, what are you doing? She says, I'm paying my tithe. That's what I'm doing. I said, you giving all that money to this guy? You know? She said, I'm not giving to no guy. I'm giving it to God. I said, you're giving it to the church here. Well, they don't need it. They should be giving us money. We need it. We're living in the ghetto. She says, well, if we're going to get blessed, then we better give, I better pay my tithe. She says, I don't care. I'll obey you in everything else, but I'm not going to obey you in this. She says, I am going to pay my tithe. Oh, I began to notice that I was I was falling into deeper poverty and she was prospering. And finally, I learned my lesson. And just like it says, once you once you once you come to that understanding, finally the Lord opened up my mind and I, I was able to come and understand that spiritual truth. See, you're not giving you're not even giving to the church. You're not giving to man. Whenever you pay your tithes. You're always giving to God. If you're giving to man, then you're going to wait for man to uh, take care of your needs. But no, that's not the mentality. The mentality is, listen, I I'm following a spiritual principle, and I am going to give to God. God, this is yours! And then as you come into that relationship with him, then you come into a, a, a real tremendous partnership relationship with God. So I had to learn that particular lesson. And just like I said earlier, once you start and you begin to see it works, you never stop. To get people to start is hard. But once they start and they experience it, and they experience the open window blessing, you can't get, it, get them to stop. So then it's very important, our, our, our priorities, having the right priority. Also, thirdly, the third key is also single-mindedness. That's the third key principle not being double-minded. What does James say? In chapter 1, in verse 8, he says, A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You know what I mean by that? If you're asking God to bless and prosper you, but in your subconscious mind you have negative thoughts that it's not going to happen, it will short-circuit everything. In other words, you say, well, you know what? I'll try you, God, but I know you ain't going to do it anyhow. Isn't there people like that? 
Well, I'm going to go ahead and do it, but it ain't going to happen. I I'm just going to wait. I'll wait a month. That's it. I I'm going to wait a month. And you're with that mentality. If it doesn't happen in two weeks, if it doesn't happen in a month, then forget about it. And if you have that type of mentality, you're a double-minded person. You need to come to that place of saying, you know what? You have to stop positioning yourself for poverty and say, I got nothing to lose. But I'm going to come into partnership with God and I'm going to believe, I'm going to be single-minded and believe that God is going to meet my needs. I'm going to stand on the Word of God no matter what. See, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And what God wants to do, he wants to give us a, a brand new mentality. Not that double-minded mentality, but give us single, singleness of mind. That we'll be able to say, you know what, I'm, I am going to trust God. I'm not going to be unstable anymore, but I'm going to be consistent. See, consistency means that every week you do the same thing. Inconsistency means, well, this week I feel good, so I'll give. And then next week I don't feel so good, so I won't give. Then this other week I have some faith, so I'll give. And there's an inconsistency. Double-minded person will not prosper. We need to be consistent. We need to make a decision and say, from today on, I'm going to trust God. From today on, I'm going to be a, a partner with God. From today on, I'm going to be a tither. And from that day and from that moment, you made a decision. Next week, no matter how you feel or how grim it looks, you say, I will put my trust in God. Instead of looking at the circumstances, I'm going to put my trust in God. Single-mindedness, not being a double-minded person. Then the fourth key principle is giving with the right attitude so that God will ex accept your offering. You think that just by giving... It's good enough. It's not only giving, it's giving. What kind of attitude do you give with? Like if you're giving with the attitude to make points, it ain't going to happen. If the motives are not right, it's not going to happen. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 8 says, Remember this, whosoever uh, sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whosoever sows generously will reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, Notice how you're supposed to give it, not reluctantly or under compulsion. For God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So you notice what he's saying. How we give is so very, very important. When it's time to give, you know how we should give when it's time to give? We should focus on what God has done for us. Don't, don't focus on your poverty. Don't focus on, your, on, on the negative, but begin to focus on the positive. And we have a lot to say, just being, just being saved. If you can't focus on, on the material blessing, focus on the spiritual blessing. If, if you still can't pay your rent and you and you have need, financial needs, at least focus on the, on, the, on, on the blessings that God has given to you. Say, I used to be a drug addict, Jesus set me free. I used to be in bondage and Jesus set me free. 
I was miserable and Jesus gave me, gave me happiness. I, I was this and he gave me this. Focus on the good things that God has given to you. Salvation, your, your children, and even food in your house. So we need to focus on the positive instead of focusing on the negative. And you will, you'll, be giving, you, you, you'll be giving out of a, a heart full of, of gratitude, not grudgingly or reluctantly or out of under compulsion. This is why we don't say to you, you're forced to give. We don't force you to give because even if we force you to give, then you're not going to get blessed because you're violating that special principle. See, so you don't give out grudgingly, you don't give reluctantly, you don't give out of compulsion. You don't try to just fit God in your budget. You don't do that. He comes first in your budget. When it's time to give, don't dwell on what you don't have because you're going to shortchange God. Don't say, well, I don't have enough and I'm just going to give him a little bit and he'll understand. No, he won't understand. The tithes belong to God. I like that song. says, when I think about his goodness and what he's done for me, what does it say? I want to what? Shout, shout, shout. Why don't you say, I want to give, 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 give. When I think on his goodness and what he's, how he set me free, I want to not shout, give, 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 give. That's the way it should be. See, give your best to God, and God will give his best to you. God expects us to give our best to him. The Bible says, whatever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. When a man sows sparingly, he will also reap sparingly. That means the more you get, you give, the more you get. When he sows bountifully, he will reap bountifully. That's what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 and 7. Many times we give less than our best, and when we do that, we're actually setting the standard how you want God to bless you back. See, I want God to bless me, and I know that here we need, we need big faith. We're going to need big faith. We need... We need God to prosper. So as, as in knowing that, I'm setting the standard with God. I'm saying, God, we're going to give you. And we're going to give you more. And the more we give you, the more in turn he gives to us. So many times we're the ones that are set, setting the standard of how God is going to bless us. God is always expecting the best from us. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, notice what it says. It says, present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Now, Romans is saying he doesn't want just part of you. He wants all of you. Present your body as a living sacrifice, and he says it's your reasonable service. He's not asking you something unreasonable to give. Malachi chapter 10 and verse 37, if you love your father, Matthew chapter 10 and verse 37 says, if you love your father and mother more than you love me, you're not worthy of me. King David said in 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer an offering to the Lord that costs me nothing. David understood that principle. That if you give your best, then in turn, God is going to give his best. And he gave his best already. I mean, he gave his son... Jesus Christ to go on the cross of Calvary for us. Then last of all, let me give you the last key principle, is 
Faith and not fear. Faith and not fear. See, God tells us to give, not out of fear, but to give out of faith. And I want to tell you this, it always, it's always going to take faith. It's always going to take faith because when you're about to give, if you try to, if you try to evaluate, you can't afford it. I don't think you could. When, I, when I'm asking you to give a 10%, I'm asking you to take a step of faith. When, when God is asking you to put him first, seek ye first the kingdom of God, he's telling you to take a step of faith. You know why? Because you can't afford it. You really, most of us can't really afford it. But if you take a step of faith, he's saying, just prove me. Try me out, saith the Lord of hosts. And take that step of faith. Don't let the devil bring fear. But I want you to take that leap of faith and begin to trust me from this day on. I want you to take from the top, not figure out your bills, but I want you to take that 10% and calculate how much is 10% of what you have and take it and go to the church on Sunday morning and say, give me that envelope and put it in that envelope and say, here's my 10%, oh God. We pray that this message has encouraged you to grow in your walk with God. To hear more messages, visit www.visionintlstore.com. Thank you for listening. God bless you.